I think if you're going to work with a co-founder, find the yin to your yang. Though I am the kind of slightly mad ideas like, oh, we could do this. Yeah, let's do that tomorrow. And like, yeah, you know, kind of. And Sarah is much more considered and kind of challenges me on things. And it provides a really good balance between the two of us. Hi, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two Pence Worth. This is a series where we hear all about the stories, the successes, and the challenges of female founders in climate tech. Earlier on this year, I was absolutely shocked to discover that in 2022, for every one pound of VC money that was invested, less than two pence went to companies with female founding teams. So I wanted to try and do my part to raise the profile and to put a spotlight on the successes of some of the fantastic female founders that are out there in the world of climate. I wanted to provide a space where we could celebrate their wins, where we could acknowledge the challenges that they faced along the way, but most importantly, where we could share the resources, the advice, the tips that they've used to help them along the way. So we can try collectively to make that path a little bit smoother for anybody following in their footsteps. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, we have heard from some truly inspiring founders about their successes, and we've had some amazing recommendations of resources, some of which I've started using myself already. So if you haven't seen any of them, please do go and check those out. You can see them on my LinkedIn profile. You can find them in video form on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel, or if podcasts are your thing, then you can get us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Today, we are joined by Alexandra Bertels, co-founder and CEO of In Good Company, a tech platform that connects conscious consumers with ethical local businesses and launched in London in 2022. Alex has a clear passion for promoting gender equality and for helping women succeed through adversity, and she's worked as trustee of the Young Women's Trust for over seven years. And with over a decade of experience spent working in marketing, communications, customer loyalty and digital products, she has built up the ideal skill set with which to launch a business. She's also managed to fit in some amazing stints traveling and advising the government on test and test and trace strategy for COVID-19. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about that. So, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Jerry. And it's always, I'm just beaming because it's so nice when somebody else describes you and lists off things that you're often too embarrassed or kind of to say about yourself. So yeah, thank you. You can keep me as your personal hype woman. <laughs> um. So um, first of all, Alex, are you happy to just tell us a bit more about In Good Company? Talk us through what the platform does, who is it for and what makes it unique? Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on me going traveling. So I decided, which is actually when I came up with the original idea for In Good Company. So I'd spent nine years working at then FTSE 250 Talk Talk, uh, doing a range of jobs, which you talked about. And I um, had always kind of taken roles that were really at the intersection of how you can use business as a force for good. And so a lot of the work I'd done at Talk Talk, not only around kind of customer loyalty, had been around protecting children online, uh, digital inclusion, so how we help more people who aren't online. It's so funny, we take it all for granted, but there are so many people who don't still have access to the internet. Uh, we did a lot on that at Talk Talk, making it more affordable and helping people get online. So I'd always have this kind of uh, passion for how business and commercial can be used as a force for good. Um, and I had done my kind of nine years there and thought it's time for something new. And I took myself off and did a 
millennial sabbatical, uh, millennial backpacking gap year, um, and went traveling around Asia. And it was while I was out in Nepal and Cambodia, particularly, um, that I really started properly discovering what we would refer to as kind of social enterprises or, you know, mission-driven businesses. And they ranged from coffee shops and hotels to activities or boutiques, um, but had uh, giving back at the heart of what they were doing. So, you know, they were providing employment to, for example, uh, women who struggled to have um, economic independence, or um, there was actually an amazing chain of um, beauty salons for which employed people who were blind and then struggled to get kind of other other work. And, you know, the view being actually, if you're giving a massage, you don't need to be able to see because it's right. your hand. So, you know, so there are all these amazing places and they were, it was really commonplace that kind of business had this um this component of giving back yeah. and making the community and making the lives of the people who live there better and so I started really discovering them but it was quite ad hoc quite hard to find them um I remember distinctly going on to I think it was you know the rough guide or lonely planet and they were like oh social enterprises are great you should google social enterprise plus the name of the location you're going to and I just thought this is rubbish like I have an app for everything (laughs) (laughs) and so I texted somebody I used to work with at Talk Talk and was like how hard would it be to build this app and um you know fast forward a little bit I came back to the UK uh some other things happened including the COVID-19 pandemic and so I kind of put it to the side but I realized that we also have a really flourishing mission purpose-driven business sector in the UK and yes it's about social but actually increasingly it's also about climate and sustainability so zero waste shops um restaurants who are properly doing sustainable sourcing um you know incorporating zero waste principles um you know green tech doing ethical supply chain sourcing and there's this whole kind of hidden world of these impact businesses and I love them um, and I know other people love them but they're really hard to find and again it came you know it was this the kind of nugget of the idea behind in good company is I can get something delivered to my house in 15 minutes you know I can watch millions of hours of everything online everything is so convenient and yet when I want to go out into the real world and I want to meet a friend for coffee and I want to have an experience. And, you know, that became so much more something um, of importance post the pandemic when we didn't have those things. You know, I want to go out, I want to connect with people. I want to feel good, right? I want to have a good experience, but I also want to feel nice. Um, I don't get that when I just go into a high street coffee shop chain. Yeah, they give me coffee, but like, I don't feel much. And particularly in cost of living time when actually we're thinking more about what we're spending and we want to feel and we want to feel connected. We want to feel part of something. We want to feel good. And so the thing was, how can we bring that kind of tech convenience? So on my phone, on my laptop, but I can help you go out, have real world experiences and support businesses and business owners who are not just trying to run a business and make a profit, but are also trying to save the world at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think during the pandemic, and we saw so many small local businesses fail or go through really tough times as a result of that. I think we kind of came out of that even more motivated and galvanized to want to support those businesses that were 
local that were and, and trying to do the right things by the right people and put our money there but you're right the technology hasn't prior to in good company been there to help us to make that choice yeah. our choice has always been based on what's quickest to get to what's easiest not what's best yeah for, yeah. for the world yeah exactly and I think for me it's the kind of you know when I come out of a tube station in London and you know eventually when I get off my bus or you know I'm in a different neck of the woods across the UK it's the okay I can see a Pret or a Starbucks or whatever right in front of me but actually did you know if you just turn around the corner there is an amazing Redemption Roasters who were the world's first behind bars coffee company and they brew they have their roastery in prisons and they provide employment to ex-offenders and you know and by the way it is exceptional coffee don't think they're actually more expensive and it's also a really cool unique space um and so it's kind of how can we bring that convenience to this sector yeah I love that and so you said this was an idea that kind of the 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 seeds of that idea kind of grew during your trap you're still traveling and then you came back and and you did some of the stuff with with test and trace but in the back of your mind this idea was growing at what point did you I suppose first of all meet your co-founders and or did you think right I'm gonna go for this I'm gonna build it yeah so I'd met my co-founder Sarah actually just before the pandemic we were both taking part in a course that was really to help people start kind of climate sustainable social enterprise um businesses and we'd kept in touch um, and we both liked the idea but kind of didn't you know for life reasons take the plunge and I'll never forget there's a there's an amazing book by um, Elizabeth Gilbert it's actually it's propping up my laptop right now and uh, it's she has this idea yeah (laughs) I won't pull it out to show you because otherwise the laptop's going to go everywhere and she has this idea that you know ideas come to people right but if you and ideas want to be birthed into the world but if you for whatever reason don't kind of take that idea forward the idea is going to go on to somebody else and so I got to this point where I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and you know big part of me was going shall I go back and just get a not just, but shall I get a job again and do a job because actually it gives me some stability and, you know, and I can still do good. And I was afraid of starting a business because I, you know, wasn't brought up in a kind of entrepreneurial world where people would, where you were told that you start, people start businesses, right? And, um, uh, you know, and I think we've got an interesting relationship in the UK with kind of entrepreneurship and failure and, you know, the idea of what success is getting a job in a company and doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, but I could I couldn't shake the idea and I could feel that other people were starting to kind of do stuff around it. And I could just I had this, you know, vivid vivid sense that I was going to be on my deathbed one day and I was going to go I had that idea and I didn't do anything with it and I spent a long time talking about it with people and really played forward like what's the worst that can happen right so either I get a job now or I say I'm going to give myself six months or a year give it a go see what happens if it doesn't work out then okay I'll get a job so actually I end up kind of in the same place that I've started but if I try to do it, at least I'll know that I've tried. I'll probably learn a lot along the way and it'll actually make me a better employee in the future for somebody else. Uh, Or worse, sometimes people say that founders are worse employees because we're so doing our own thing, but, you know, put that aside for one second. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to put no pressure on whether it's going to be a success or not, but I'm going to say, I'm going to give myself until, you know, the next six months. And then I push that up to a year and I'm going to try. 
and I'm going to see if the idea has any legs. I'm going to see if I like it. I'm going to see if me and my co-founder work together, if we can, you know, get some other people uh, to back it. And I think taking that pressure off really helped. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. I like that idea. Which book is that, by the way, by Elizabeth Gilbert? It. It's called <laughs> Big Magic. Big Magic. I'll give that a read. I like that concept that an idea is its own entity and it's flying around the world. And if it lands on you and you don't do anything with it and, and putting yourself in that mindset of, OK, well, am I comfortable with the concept that if somebody else, if it lands on somebody else and they take it, how would I feel watching someone else do what could have been mine? Yeah. yeah. And also that that mentality of, again, how, what, what's the worst that could happen if this yeah. fails then how bad would that be and I think as long as you can swallow that pride and that ego and think it would be okay um I would still be okay then yeah yeah, yeah. you've got to do it amazing so um so that was when you met Sarah and then talk, talk me through those kind of early days of getting it off the ground when was this what, what year was this 2020 uh, yeah so this was um 21 so we spent um we incorporated in December 21 um and uh then we were both still working on it part-time um so we spent a little while longer working on it part-time and for us it was that early stage was really about um and Sarah my co-founder was very good at this you know I I think if you're going to work with a co-founder, find the yin to your yang. Though I am the kind of slightly mad ideas like, oh, we could do this. Yeah, let's do that tomorrow. And like, yeah, you know, kind of. And Sarah is much more considered um, and by, you know, and kind of challenges me on things. Um, and yeah, and it provides a really good balance between the two of us. And, um, you know, one thing she said was she was like, I really want to make sure we've done we've done the research. We've spoken to enough people. We genuinely think this isn't just something that we want. And it's something that actually businesses want, that the impact businesses we're trying to support are after and that we're going to have consumers. And so really getting into the kind of testing and learning that and develop the business model and think about the financials and go through that kind of process. And we did some prototyping and testing. We did a lot of deep customer, um, you know, uh, research interviews, spent a lot of time visiting and talking to businesses. And, you know, I think that was a, that really built our confidence um, in kind of then going sort of all in. And uh, we did a, we did a kind of first stage product last year. We in May this year launched the second version uh, which has been in a kind of uh, closed, a closed-ish beta. So um, we have been keeping it kind of a little bit ring fence while we do some testing and just make sure things are working really well. But we've had over 2,000 people using the platform since um, the end of May, which is amazing. More than I thought, um, discovering businesses. Um, we've got about 350 businesses on there at the moment in London and lots more to come. And we'll be doing our big public launch in the next couple of weeks and then launching a full mobile app because at the moment it's browser-based. So yeah, lots, lots more to come. That's so exciting. So yeah, sounds like you you put a lot of that, held yourselves back to do a lot of that testing, testing the hypothesis. Is there an appetite for this to, to get yourselves at a really strong position to build the right thing first and yeah. did all that, that preparation? Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love yeah, your, your point about needing your, your yin to your yang is, is so right. We ran a, a leadership workshop last month 
Um, and the person who hosted that, he's a leadership coach with years of experience. And he said, in every business, you need a maniac and a minder. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you're the maniac and Sarah's your minder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think it works really well. And there are, you know, there are times when we both really frustrate each other, but we've built, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, and hopefully she'd agree with me if you asked her as well, we built a really honest relationship, right? So we were able to talk about that and kind of be, you know, have those moments of tension and then come back and go, actually, do you know what? We're, we're better because we've had that and we've, you know, we've challenged each other, we've compromised or we've, you know, made the decision together and I thought it through. Yeah. And, and at what point did you bring in, so you've got a tech co-founder as well, CTO, or what point did, did you bring them into the, into the puzzle? And, and is it just the three of you at this point or have you kind of, and are you, are you growing beyond that at this point? Yeah. So we're growing beyond that. So I'm really fortunate. So Chris, our CTO, who is um, phenomenal tech brain worked for Tesco's, Amazon, BBC Worldwide, uh, so we had worked together at TalkTalk. Talk. He ran the engineering department. I ran digital product. He taught me. He like really schooled me in digital. And uh, we had a great relationship. And um, I reached out to him to ask his advice. And uh, he said, this sounds really interesting. I'd actually quite like to be involved. And so Chris came in early on on a kind of equity deal as a CTO. Um, so he's been with us from the start. And we always knew, I mean, this is this is one of the challenges when you're building a tech business is, you know, you have to build a proper product, right? It's not, it's harder to kind of, you know, it's harder to sort of just get something super quickly out there. We did a bit with no code. Um, and, you know, with hindsight, I probably would have wanted, actually would have done more to get the product out sooner, even if it wasn't great. But we are really pleased with the platform that we built. And having somebody that I know and trust and have worked with previously has been phenomenal. I've seen it definitely with other tech businesses in the climate space and more broadly that, you know, not for non-technical founders, if you don't have somebody kind of on your side who understands tech, you can end up in some really tricky positions where you commission an agency, what's built isn't right for you. And so I think trying to find at least somebody, even if they can't be a formal CTO, but somebody who is with you that can support you if you are a non-technical founder uh, and building a tech business, that's really key. And so I'm very lucky with Chris that we, you know, we got on well and, uh, yeah, had worked together previously and he wanted to be involved. We have another full-time developer um, who's based here in London. Uh, and then actually we've just hired um, an amazing woman who's based in uh, Kenya. Uh, and that is through a um, kind of another startup who's working um, to help get uh, 10 million young African professionals with a big focus on women into tech roles. And so we've taken on somebody through that program as well. And Faith has been with us for about three weeks and she's just amazing. And that's an incredible thing to do. So we're really big on also, um, you know, how we can kind of help people uh, progress in their careers, bring more diversity in, you know, so we're two female founders. Uh, we have two developers, both women, um, one black, one Asian. And then we do have an agency support and actually our developer in our outsource partner is also a woman. So we are heavily female in tech. Poor Chris. <laughs> um, that's amazing. That's great. And also sort of live it, living the values of your business, right, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah so important. Okay. And um, 
And how's that been then? I mean, how, how have you found that experience, not maybe even just as a founder, but kind of coming up through your career in the corporate world as well, being a woman in business, building a career? How, how has that experience been for you? And where do you feel perhaps you, you and or you and Sarah have faced kind of adversity that you feel was gender based in some way? Yeah, it's, it's so funny. My my views on kind of being a female founder or being a woman in business like continue to evolve and change. And sometimes you ask me week to week, and I'll give you a slightly different answer because I think it's not it's something that isn't black and white. And I think um, the I know so many incredible female founders, um, and so I can see all of these amazing women who are starting, running, building, scaling, exiting businesses who show it can be done and I was very lucky for example at Talk Talk you know we had a female CEO a female CFO a female commercial director you know so we have women in leadership roles not just in the traditional kind of HR and marketing that you might expect to see women in and so you know it was we had a lot of women around in big powerful roles and we did used to joke also about the men who were you know slightly beaten down by all these strong women you had to be a certain kind of man to work at talk talk and um uh you know my mom has always been a you know big feminist hugely inspirational figure to me and so I've seen loads of women you know kind of bucking this trend and uh, but we can't ignore that it's a problem and it's much more of a problem if you're also if there if you've got intersectionality so if you're a black or um, minority ethnic founder female founder I mean that is like that is so bad but it's also a problem for black men you know it's, it's like it is there are real problems and I I have definitely had moments where I've really felt it not as many as I would have thought but you do get it right so I had this when I moved into technology into a tech digital role I had some people who really thought I wasn't capable I had people who, when I moved out of communications into um, and then into operations and then into commercial, thought I couldn't do numbers. Um, I am one of those people where if you tell me I can't do something, it makes me really angry and I will do everything in my power to prove you wrong. And so I remember when I got told that I couldn't do spreadsheets and I went home and I spent like 48 hours straight building what was probably not a very like savvy spreadsheet, but it was a like intense beast of a spreadsheet, you know, to prove I could do it. Uh, you know, if you tell me I can't wear pink to go pitch to somebody, I'm going to turn up head to toe in pink. Okay. It just started that stuff. <laughs> um, but it is true. And I, you know, I'm a little bit, um, I get very interesting, different perspectives. I've heard some horror stories about what other women have been through. I personally think um, have had experiences where I have been grilled very, very heavily on my numbers. And I do think that is because I'm a, I get that more as a woman. Um, And I've not seen male peers get that same level of scrutiny. And so I think there is, whether it's conscious or unconscious bias does come up there. I do think people quite like the fact we have a male CTO. Um, And I don't think that's just because we're a tech business. I think they do like that as a kind of, it makes them feel, you know, reassured. Um, But I also think that some of this maybe is a problem in the VC world and that maybe we need to kind of not get so much into victim blaming. You know, women don't go out in wearing a short skirt and drink so much because, you know, you... And so I think it is wonderful that there is so much more support for female founders. Um, 
but I think more maybe we've reached the point where more advice for women to kind of teach us how to be less women or more able to show up in a room that's full of men and actually it should be well maybe stop having so many white men in the room mm-hmm. and maybe that's what needs to change and actually maybe we just need to start putting more money into women yes. um, or look at alternative <laughs> financing if the VC world really doesn't think it wants to invest in diverse talent because you mentioned the two pence stat but there are also so many stats that show that female businesses generate a much better return so actually financially there's a huge opportunity there that's being missed out on yeah absolutely and I I think you're totally right that it shouldn't be a case of the onus shouldn't be on the female founders to think how can we be doing this better how can we prove more to them that we're capable that we can do well because like you said the stats are already there to show that female founder businesses perform well and are more profitable Um, the onus you're absolutely right should be on the people holding the purse strings and because the problem is that unfortunately the reason a lot of these businesses aren't succeeding and aren't scaling to that next level if they're not is because they're not being given the money Um, not because they're doing it they just need the money to unlock that next level of growth right Um, exactly and there are some brilliant examples of VCs that are bucking that trend um, but but not, not enough Yeah. And I think the other thing is here is actually also what do we want from businesses, right? So are our business role models, we work, right? Who's founder, obviously, lots going on there, not going to try and unpack it all, has just been given a lot more money for his next business. And you go, well, is that that what we want? Is that who our business role models are? Are those the kind of companies we want? Or do we want companies that are tackling issues like climate tech or that are providing innovative products and services for very large traditionally overlooked markets you know because I think and by the way I have some amazing men in my network who are running climate businesses who are running impact businesses but there are lots of women right and so there is a thing that I think women also want to have a mission and a purpose Mm -hmm. and are generally motivated to tackle a real problem that they see not just go how can I kind of make the most money and I'm going to do this for vanity and so I think the other thing is is actually what are what are the kind of businesses that we should be backing that we want to grow rather than just going, oh, maybe one out of these 20 is going to become a billion dollar unicorn, but it's just building another SaaS product. And I wonder if partly that's because I'm about to make a real stretch here. So I might be totally wrong, right? But maybe is that partly because women are more scared I suppose to put ourselves out there to take that leap to become founders to do it either because we haven't been given enough examples that we can or we haven't been taught to believe it's something that we're capable of or there's a confidence gap so I feel like as a woman to do that it has to be something you really deeply care about where the problem is bigger than you and you care so much about it that actually you're going to put that fear to one side and go for it and so maybe is that why there are more women running impact businesses than there are trying to run the next SaaS unicorn yeah I think that may be I think that may be well right and I think the other thing is I mean and this is again you know this is more anecdotal that but you know there are the studies that show women don't go for jobs unless they hit more than 80% of the qualifications and that's pretty well proven and I think you know the thing I do think is that so with my financial you know my financial model for example right it is super robust I've spent a lot of time on it and I can defend and explain every single calculation in it because I know if I get grilled on it and I can't then that's going to be double marks against me that's my kind of perception of the world and you know so that means I'm not going to stand up and just go here's my hockey stick 
Yeah. And it's got nothing, bet- you know, behind it. And I think, you know, so I think there's that other thing where um, some of those characteristics that you can see more in women also then play into that kind of funding landscape. But I think it's really interesting about that kind of actually, um, yeah. And I, I think that's a superpower of being a female founder, right? Is you become obsessed with the problem and you're so passionate and you want to solve it. And that's what makes you resilient and perseverance and, the best person to run a business yeah absolutely I always think about Jess Phillips the MP and there's a great quote I can't remember what podcast she was on but it was obviously um after the death of um I'm gonna forget her name now so it's gonna be terrible at Joe Cox um after the death of Joe Cox her son said to her mum is it really worth it to keep Mm -hmm. fighting to keep going out to keep speaking up for women's rights when you are putting yourself and, and potentially us in danger is it worth it and she just said the problem is it is yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's that's a great example of where, you know, the, the problem is bigger than you and it is it is worth putting that fear and that confidence gap and that imposter syndrome to one side and, and just getting on with it. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of your um, recommendations for tools and, and, and resources that you've used along the way, um, we always kind of round out our episodes with with these three kind of quick fires, these three recommendations. First one being a people based resource. So a community, an organization that that you have used yourself benefited from and you'd recommend others seek out yeah so i'd say 100 percent for any female founder go as a start and join female founder raise set up by emmy forced um sure you've heard lots of plugs for it because it's brilliant amazing community um and so i just 100 percent go do that because that's great get yourself along to one of the events um i love that um but then i would say actually go go sample i tried a whole bunch before i found the ones that really worked for me so actually for me um it's a london and cambridge based um impact startup um, ecosystem called Alia. And so that's where I met my closest founder friends. It's where I met one of my dearest advisors. That was where I found my tribe, but I went and tried a whole bunch and I still try some today. And so the thing for me is like, if one doesn't resonate for you, just keep trying because you will find them out there. Um, The other plug I would say is for Founder Catalyst, if you're looking to raise, Um, they are an amazing resource, particularly for first time founders or you're doing a first raise. But the thing they come with is probably the best founder WhatsApp group. And that is my number one. So uh, yeah, you, you do have to pay to get in and you use them for your fundraising round. But yeah, do just try, keep trying. But yeah, Female Founder Rise, Alia and Founder Catalyst. Fantastic. Thank you. I could I could swear I could do a whole podcast episode just on um, the world of professional WhatsApp groups. Oh, my God. So many. <laughs> I remember when WhatsApp groups, it was like not really appropriate to WhatsApp uh, yeah. professional people on WhatsApp. And now it is just like there are too many. But yeah, cross that boundary and then some. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. I'll- compartmentalize that um okay the second recommendation being a media-based resource so a book a podcast a ted talk something media-based that you've benefited from yeah uh so i would say the book four thousand weeks which is a kind of anti-time management book so basically it is going against all the stuff that says if you just take fine use this tool you'll master your to-do list and then have tons of time left over to bake and clean and you know do all the things uh and this basically says it's an absolute lie. 
time is finite. That is part of being human. You have 4,000 weeks in the world. And so think about how you want to spend your time. And that is amazing. But there's, I dip into it all the time and I always come away with a different message. And that's where I got a lot of my kind of actually take the time to really appreciate the journey. And even when it's really, really tough as a founder, actually take a step back and go, do you know what? I am so lucky that I am in the position to have this really difficult moment because I wouldn't be having it if I hadn't taken the decision to go down this path. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's less about trying to cram as much into your time as possible and more about how distilling it right down to what's the most important thing you could do with this time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Because you will never have enough time to do all the things that you could do. And so it's about really consciously choosing what you are going to do and what matters and making the most of that. I love that. That's another one on the reading list. My reading list is growing with everything. <laughs> mad. I've got enough books as it is. Right. And the third one being your business role model. So it could be somebody in climate, could not be. In fact, we even had somebody give us a whole company rather than an individual. Um, but who do you look up to in terms of leadership style and and and, and what they've achieved? Yeah. So I have kind of, I've got two answers to this. So I would a hundred percent say for me, and this is in climate is Olio. Um, I think Olio have just done, you know, two female founders they've raised, but I think they've also really managed to make the food waste issue. And then actually the circular economy so appealing and fun and uh you know such a big issue and I just think they are such role models and then actually for me honestly I've got like I've got you know more role models than I have fingers and toes because for me it's not necessarily about the names you know Mm -hmm. it's about the individual founders that I admire there's an amazing fintech startup called Financial. I think the two female founders of that are incredible. My friend Sean, who started a mental health tech company called Mind Data, I think he is um, so brave and amazing. You know, and it goes on. So actually, for me, it's a lot of my peers or people who are slightly further ahead from me, and they're not yet the names you know, but they're yeah. the people who are maybe a couple of steps in front of me, or you know, or alongside me. And I look at them, and they. They are my role models because that's they're really to have. And that's so important to have those people that are just that little bit further ahead yeah. on the journey than you. Because sometimes somebody that is streets ahead of where you are, like Richard Branson. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 great, but it's yeah. it's a moon shoot, isn't it? So yeah. to have somebody that is slightly more relatable and pushes you to that next level is, yeah. is great to have. And we used to talk about that a lot in corporate. You know, it wasn't women on boards that when I was a you know early. 30 something director that I was looking to I wasn't looking at people women on boards I was looking at women who were chiefs <laughs> and CEOs and so I think that is really important that it's kind of not necessarily as you say about the Richard Bransons or the huge names who run the big companies but it's actually the people who are that bit further ahead of you and showing you the the kind of next steps you need to take in the path forward and that it is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And for any other Olio fans out there, come back and join us next week because we've got Sasha coming to speak to us. Brilliant. I am in good company. (laughs) Very apt. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really loved chatting to you and it's been great to hear all about your journey. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for having me, Cherry. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. 
My pleasure. And thank you to everybody today that's listened. Um, really appreciate you supporting this series. Um, and as I said before, go and check out our previous episodes. Come back and join us next week. We've got two more episodes. Um, and for now, everybody have a great rest of the day. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.